You pray with me, guys. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for the opportunity to uh, open up your word. Thank you for this family day to be able to just enjoy you with our, our young ones and be together as a covenant community. We pray your Holy Spirit will guide uh, this time, that your word would be, uh, would be powerful um, in our ears and our hearts, Lord. Uh, we ask that you would be doing a work right now in hearts as we are um, asking you to be preparing us right now, Jesus. Um, Pray you be ministering deeply. Allow us to just put away those things that can kind of cloud our mind from hearing from you. Pray that we would hear from you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would graciously speak through me. Um, by your grace, Lord, would you allow uh, my words to be yours? Would you allow um, things that I'm saying that are in the flesh, would you strike them down? Would you graciously allow... Um, what you want to communicate to your people to be communicated. Uh, we love you, and we pray you will be exalted, and the gospel will be clear. In Christ's name, amen. You be, may be seated, guys. If you need Bibles, you can raise your hand, and uh, we'll hand Bibles out to you. Uh, that'd be great. Um, as a local body, we uh, go through books of the Bible, and we are right now in the book of Acts. Um, if you will put up uh, slides, if you will put up the, the summary, that'd be great. We um, are in Acts chapter 4. Also, for uh, your kids, if you are visiting and you have kids, we have like a little uh, sheet that they can uh, grab and some crayons and so they can be drawn, maybe a picture of what we're doing, just trying to help encourage our young people uh, during this time as well. I want to give you a few ground rules. I want to ask you to just know <clears throat> that you can um, ask questions if you if you have questions as we are sharing, we just ask that they would be an uh, encouragement to um, the body. And if you have some issues specifically, uh, you can come see me afterwards. That'd be great. All right, guys. Um, we're having a, we're a packed time here, so I'm going to jump right in. Hope you guys are doing well. I uh, just wanted to let you know you're on a moving train. If you just came here, we are in the book of Acts. We're in chapter 4. I want to also encourage you to go uh, listen to the sermons uh, on Acts. Um, if you get a chance online, they're right online, to catch yourself up. I want to encourage you, if you're new, to join in on this series with us and keep coming and seeing what the Lord is saying through this book. And hopefully uh, the Lord will give you great wisdom on what it even look like to partner with this local body as we are trying to express the gospel. I always like to make clear the reason why we go through every book of the Bible uh, is because we want to make sure that we don't get caught up in our own pride and uh, our own comforts. And we know that as we go through the whole counsel of God's scripture, there's going to be areas that we're really excited about and areas that we're not as excited about. Um, and so uh, for us, we want to be faithful to what God has to say. Uh, and so that's our heart. Uh, we want to know what God is saying through the whole council. So that's, a, that's what we're about here. If you look at the, uh, the summary so far, that we'll just keep kind of adding and, and subtracting as we move forward. Uh, this is what we've kind of gone through so far. Uh, as you know, that, the, um, that, that basically Acts starts um, as part of a, of a, uh, of a whole canon. Uh, there was Luke and Acts. Uh, Luke was an author. He wrote basically a, a two-part uh, series that got broken up uh, in historicity uh, as uh, two books, um, writing to Theophilus about uh, this Jesus and who he is and who he was and him rising from the dead uh, and basically what that meant uh, to all the known world. We, uh, we see him writing that. Then we, we actually see Jesus actually uh, rising from the dead, reveals himself. And we go in the beginning of Acts, reveals himself to uh, the people of God, his, his disciples. 
uh, as he continues to move on, he's going to jump down because of the sake of time. He gives him a mission, fills him with the Spirit, basically uh, validates that he's the Lord, shows him through the Old Testament, uh, which encourages those onlookers, preaches the gospel. The onlookers actually become Christians as well because, like, oh my goodness, we're seeing God do amazing things. So he had Jesus rising, encourages his followers, fills his followers uh, with this concept of mission, what he wants them to be about, empowers them to be on mission. They preach the gospel. People come to Christ. They begin to develop a covenant community, uh, trying to figure out what does it mean to be a covenant community. And then out of that covenant community, they begin to express the works uh, and the goodness of God through miracles where they're able to see uh, a man who was lame basically be healed. Individuals come to Christ. Uh, these guys get questions, and so that's where we are today. Uh, we're in the midst of that whole hoopla, right, where uh, Peter and John in particular— uh, being God's people, being Jesus' servants, are now acting and doing the works that like Christ. And, and all of a sudden, these guys are being questioned about uh, what they're doing. So we're right here in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. So I'm going to jump right in. Uh, and just remember something. What's cool about this, uh, this miracle that I love, you know, unlike a lot of us when we see uh, some stuff on TV, uh, keep in mind, these guys have been walking past this dude for many years. In fact, uh, at the end of the verses, and like, I think in the 20s, verse 22 maybe, uh, it says that, uh, uh, that this guy was 40 years old, and they've seen him since they've known he was lame since birth. Okay? And so you can imagine uh, what's going on here uh, during this whole process. Uh, so what I want to do is I want to uh, continue on with the theme that we talked about last week, and that is this. Uh, as a people of God, persecution is not an enemy of the church. All right? And we're going to see that continually because we're right in the middle stage of the argument that had brewed. Uh, and so we, in verse 13, they have, um, uh, they've, they've, they've seen these guys do this miracle. They've questioned them. And then now it says in verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Okay. So can you imagine this? So they, these guys, remember who these guys were, okay? These are the same guys who ran uh, when Jesus was crucified, okay? These are the same guys who denied Jesus three times, right? These are the same guys who I always say uh, were spiritual wimps, as it were. And all of a sudden, we're getting many different accounts uh, from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 4 right now of just a courage that's unlike their norm. Right. All of a sudden, we're seeing these guys stand up and not really care anymore, which, by the way, I want to propose to you. One of the things about the atonement that I love about the atonement is the atonement frees you as a Christian uh, to basically not care what people think. That the atonement does that. And we're going to see that in a moment. Is that at the atonement, the atonement allows you to say, you know what? I don't, any, I don't, unlike the world, I don't need to care what people think about me. I don't need to find my hope in how people view me. But now, because I know who I am in Christ, I have, as it were, recovered my understanding of my purpose, my value, and my worth. So now, you don't have power over me. Because I know who I am and who I belong to. That's just one of the things that the atonement does. But look at this. It says, they were astonished. And now why were they astonished? It says a couple of things here. They were uneducated, common men, and they recognized uh, that they had been with Jesus, right? And what I want to say here is 
to be bold, right? These guys were being bold, and they didn't have any education. And in the minds of these guys, these guys, usually the people who had the boldness, the people who, who, who could say, I got something to say, were individuals who had kind of an intellectual pedigree, right? It was the people who, who were the social elite. But if these guys hadn't been schooled by rabbinical teachings, right? They hadn't understood how to have apologetics. They haven't learned how to argue. So they had no rhetoric classes. So how, how, how did they know they had been with Jesus? Have you thought about that? How do they know they have been with Jesus? I want, to, I want to take you back to uh, verse 14 and 17 of chapter 7 of John. It says, you can turn if you have your Bibles. It says, about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. Right? The Jews therefore marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? That sound familiar? Right? It says in verse 16, so Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine. But his who sent me, if anyone, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking of my own authority. Let me give you another verse. Matthew 7. And I ask you to turn to your Bibles. You're like, you're getting spoiled. You wanna, you're like, oh, what's, you know. But it says, Matthew, I want you to turn your Bibles, get, get used to getting your Bibles. Matthew 7, verses 28 to 29. It says, and when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. And so now, first, what we would think is we would think, well, the reason why these guys felt like uh, they shouldn't have authority is because they're not learned. But I don't think that's the case. Because he says here that Jesus was teaching as though he did not have authority and not as the scribes. Were the scribes learned? Absolutely. They were the teachers of the law. They were the guardians of the law. But the implication there is that they're saying the scribes taught as if they didn't have authority, though. What does that mean? It's saying that you had intelligent people who had all the intellectual pedigree, but when they taught, you just felt like, man, do you really believe what you're saying? That's what it's saying there. You know what that tells me, guys? And don't miss this. That things like courage and boldness and tenacity and gospel clarity, they don't come because you learned and you studied a lot. See, see, we fool ourselves in thinking, oh, no, you know what, the reason why I can say something or is because I, I've, I've read these books and I've read that books. What this is saying is you can have people who know all kind of stuff about Jesus and you and I have studied the Bible and done all these things and still you can talk and talk about the facts as it were, but still not talk as if you have authority. Proverbs 2 says, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, verse 4 says, if you seek it like silver, that is wisdom and understanding, as, see, and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Right? See, it's saying that, I think what the text is telling you is what happened. Is they're saying the reason why these guys had authority is because they have been with Jesus. I don't think there's anything unsexy about this. I think he's just saying, guess what? These guys spoke like this dude. They had a conviction that was just outside of the sense of like, oh, I know a lot of stuff. They had a passion. They had a desire to say, I don't care what you think. And that just seemed very different than those very educated, astute men who talked about the law. 
And I long for that for you and for me as a, as a covenant community, that we wouldn't be people who get it twisted and thinking just we just got to sit around and we got to just digest all the Gospel Coalition website and we got to read all of our different theological books and we got to have all of our arguments in a row because that doesn't mean, Jack, if you don't believe that God is giving you authority. If you're not being filled with the Spirit and the Spirit of God isn't moving you to talk about the answer for the hope that you have within you, all you're doing is being a smart dude or a smart girl talking. I love the fact that the author saw it fit to put in there, he talked different than very smart people who knew the law. And I love the fact that he talked about, I, I love that the same thing happens to these, to these apostles. And I love that because Jesus, we can say, well, you cheated Jesus, you guys, so you really knew everything. But actually, these guys really were kind of dumb. These guys really were uneducated. So Jesus was kind of being God and stuff, you know what I'm saying? But these guys were, and yet... They stood before Supreme Court. They stood before the teachers, all the individuals who are the social elite, and they said things and won. They, they put these guys and made them go, whoa, what is the answer to that? Can you imagine that? Now, we talk a lot about recapitulation, retelling of God's story. Here it is again. You see what's happening here? See, the reason why they knew they had been with Jesus, you know why? Because they reminded them about Jesus. How? Well, they did a miracle, right? <laughs> they see a miracle, like, man, and, and, I lo- and I love the fact, I love the fact that in a discussion, notice this, when you're reading the scriptures, notice they never deny the resurrection. You notice that? You notice they never deny the resurrection? They never say, the, 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 these guys talk about the resurrection, they never, they never go, that's not true. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Because guess what? If they could have denied the resurrection, the whole argument would have been gone. Right? And guess what? These guys are mad and frustrated because they're like, thousands of people are getting saved from that very dude that we just crucified. I can't believe this is happening. He's messed with our power structure. Man, if we could just end this right now. Isn't that interesting? We'll talk about that in a moment. They did miracles. They taught like him. Right? They taught like they had authority. Right? Not like the learned guardians of the law. And they interpreted the Old Testament. So we see all of that. See, I want to say, man, I'm asking the Lord, boldness and sincerity of heart and, and, and no frills, it doesn't come through books. I, I think a lot, a lot of us are like, you know what? I'll preach the gospel when I just learn a little more stuff. I'll, I'll be courageous when I get a little more information. Or, and what I'm realizing is you had guys who said, man, I, I saw it. I saw what he did in my life. I, I hung out with him. I was able to actually see him heal. I was actually, I was actually able to see him, him love. And all of a sudden, they just told the truth. They just told what they saw. Isn't, y- y'all, y'all notice it's true, right? When I think about my life as a believer, I love the fact, I always tell you guys this, when, when people first come to Christ, I love going out to share my faith with new Christians. I love it. Because when you become old like us, you know too much. And new Christians don't care. They just tell you what happened to them. They just say, I don't know all the verses. But what I do know is I was like this, and God is now doing this in my life. 
And, I, and it was funny, I'm telling you, usually when I, hang with, when I hang with new believers, people always come to Christ. It's the weirdest thing. Now, that's not a doctrine. I'm just telling you, I wonder if God is trying to say something to someone who has years of education in theology, who has degrees, but yet can get so caught up in my, my competence that I miss this authority that only Christ can give. The power that only God can give. The courage that only the Lord can give. These guys didn't say, wow, look at these guys. They've done this. They've done. He said, wow, look, these guys have been with Jesus. I remember now, that's why they like this. Because they've been with that dude that I don't like. That's what they're saying. How can we believe that body? How can we trust the Lord? That man, it's not about what I can bring to the table. It really is about a submission to our king and seeing him work through us. They're thinking, here we go again, the same problem. We just had this problem, this crazy Jesus walking around and people talking about Caesar's not king. I think Jesus is. Oh, I thought we got rid of this problem. Now we got it. It's even worse now. There's thousands of them. It's even worse now. Verse 14. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, and I love the fact that as they are thinking about what do we do, they're watching a guy that they've seen lame for over 40 years. And he's standing for hours beside them. I just love that, that beautiful grammatical poetic picture of a dude who just got his legs back and he's standing for hours. Love it. Brother ain't even tired. He's just standing there. They're like, man, shouldn't you, you, you know, a baby, when they start walking, they got to sit down for a little bit. This brother got up like one of those deers on planet Earth and just starts frolicking around all day. And you're like, what, what, what's going on with this dude? He's just standing beside them, the scriptures say. And they had nothing to say in opposition. What you going to say to that? What you going to say to a dude that you saw <laughs> sitting at the feet of you for 40 years and now he's standing? As much as a hater as you want to be, what do you say to that? <laughs> they could say nothing. All the guys, with all they learned, all the stuff they knew, they just looked at this brother like, man, you ever been like that? You ever had somebody just catch you in truth? Tell the truth. And you just be like, man, I got to think of something. Oh, man. Man, that was straight up truth. Man, I can't go there. I can't go there. You ever had that happen? I've had that happen. It's a humbling experience, isn't it? When all your pride is like, it's just staring you in the face. You are wrong, Eric, period. That's where they were at. Look what it says. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another. So they said, what do we do? I mean, get out. Just stand out there. We got, we'll, we'll be right. Hold him out there. Come here, y'all. All right, this is jacked up. All right, brother outside, standing. All right, we know we don't like him, but hey, he's out there. Can you imagine this discussion? This is in history, y'all. These are broken men and women. They're thinking, how, what do we do here? They got us, right? Takes them out. They confer with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. They're like, man, there's no laws against making good deeds and doing miracles, doing good stuff for people. Is there laws in that? Come on, man. It has to be in a Talmud somewhere. And now... They not only did that, but they're so popular, we can't even touch them. If we kill these dudes, we do something to them, they're going to get us, man. The crowd's going to get us because they saw, they know this dude has been 40 years lame too. What, what do we do? What do you do? You're the leader. What do you do? There's two things to do. 
You either submit or you deny the truth. Right? Look what it says here. But in order that they may spread no further um, among the people, verse 17 says, let us warn them uh, to speak no more to anyone in this name. How about this? All right, we can't deny it. We can't do anything to them. Let's just try a scare tactic. We'll scare them. And hopefully in that, with hey, I love this, we'll scare them with no meat, right? You're going to scare them, but you have nothing to say. <laughs> they did nothing wrong. But we'll try and just bluff our way out of this. Hey, you better not do that again, though. Well, why not? I don't know, but you better not do it again. Right? We're going to try to scare them and say, don't, just don't talk anymore in that name. All right, man? Verse 18, so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Which, by the way, that's one of my prayers. I pray for us as a community that, man, people will start grabbing you guys or grab Tammy and say, look, things are happening too crazy in this community. Would you stop talking about Jesus? I long for that. I long for us to to have such an influence by God's grace in this community that people are starting to take Christ at his word. People are starting to submit to Jesus. People are starting to show that their life is being reformed because the Holy Spirit is doing something in them. Where they're starting to see racial groups hanging out together. They're starting to see socioeconomic divides being mended. They start seeing people connecting and enjoying the gospel and preaching the gospel and loving each other and radically serving each other and radically giving to each other. Where they go to you and they realize you're with those people who proclaim Christ. Hey, I've been religious all my life, but hey, would you please quit talking about Jesus like that? I long for that. I long for that persecution. Do you long for that? Do you long to have such a clarity of the gospel through your life and as a covenant community that people ask us, please just stop? And we can say, well, who are we to obey? God or you? Who are we to obey? I long for that. I love the fact in that whole process of them trying to scare these guys, they never talk about the resurrection. That just blows me away. Think about it. Everything is standing on it. Think about it. Rome owns everything. They're the powerhouse, right? And these, these, all these Jews, Jewish leaders are the powerhouse of that area. They knew the, the nooks and crannies. They lived in the hood. They had the power. They had the people. They knew where people could hide bodies. They knew if someone was going to burn a body. They knew... Right? They had more people, they had more spies, they could, they could have found out if the body was around. I want to propose to you the reason why they didn't talk about the resurrection is because they thought to themselves, we have tried all that and we have no clue where that man is. I want to propose to you that they absolutely tried to figure out a way to denounce the resurrection, which is one of the reasons why I'm a Christian today. Because I love the fact that Jesus did not allow himself to be plopped into history and, and in, a, in an environment where everyone was celebrating him and where he could kind of get away with things or he was part of the power structure of the day. But he plopped himself in a history where he was not. He was the slave of the day, right? And the power structure was over him. And then he, because being the true king, went against the power structure and all the power structure had to do was to disprove that he did not rise from the dead. Do something supernatural. That's what he said he did. And that's actually really easy. I mean, we're in Detroit. And Detroit is bankrupt, basically, and doesn't have much power. And if one of y'all did something like that crazy, we have enough policemen to, and do enough forensics to find out if you're around somewhere or not. In Detroit, you are talking about Rome, 
the one of the most powerful civilizations in all of known world history. All right? And they're going against their demigod, who they say is God, Caesar. And Caesar is just simply saying, guess what? I want this thing to be done away with. You go find a body, show them that, hey, guys, you guys are giving and killing yourselves for no reason. I'm killing y'all and I'm persecuting y'all. It doesn't have to be like that because here's the body right here. And this is to stop this. They couldn't. They couldn't. Right? They couldn't find the body. They couldn't find a toe. They couldn't find nothing. Do you understand? Now, this saddens me, y'all. We're going to go home. This saddens me. Because you look at verse 17 and 18, and man, it is, it is a commentary on our sinful nature, our total depravity, and our propensity to let the most coolest, most godliest person in this room allow pride to just suck you in. There's a cousin verse to this passage where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And they asked him a question about, about John. You go find it in the Gospels. And then Jesus um, says, let me ask you a question. Uh, you know, and he asked a question about John. Was, 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 was John's baptism from heaven or from God? You remember that? Right? And what do they do? They gather around. <laughs> Recapitulation. Right? You stand over there, Jesus. What are you doing? And they say, hey, now this is jacked up because if we say that it's from God, then Jesus is right. We can't have him be right. But if we say it's from man, the people love John, so they'll beat us down. You know what they did? So they went to Jesus and they said, Jesus, I don't know. That's what they did. Cousin Pastor, do you know why these passages are very important to us as we are people on this side of resurrection? It's because Jesus wants us to humble ourselves and look at this passage and say, wow, you can have the truth right in your face. Right in your face. And because of pride or because the truth doesn't help you with your self-bottom line, with you wanting your sinful desires to be accomplished, you look at it. And you will change it. And you will morph it. And you and I are do things that we've never thought we would do just to be right. Think about it, guys. Humble your hearts and think about the fact that they're looking at the dude who has been healed. And they never ask the fact, could this be true? They never ask the fact, could this be true? Okay, he is healed. All right, I don't even like Jesus, but... Did they, did they find a body? Because if they, if they didn't find a body, then I got to wrestle with that. Right? You get into discussions with your, with, your, with your friends, and we're talking about all this other stuff. And I'm like, hey, this is pause. Let me ask you a question. What do you think about Jesus? About the resurrection? Because you got to come to grips with that. Because guess what? If there is an inkling that the resurrection could be true, shouldn't that be worthy of your time of investigation? Should that be worthy of your time of going, oh my goodness, wait, really? So he claimed that and they never found a body and there's still millions and millions and millions of believers who are saying they give their life for the Savior guy? 
Let me pause because if he's, if he's true, that means what he said is true. And what he says in the word is that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. And he also helps us understand that he created us. And so we have sin. If we don't pay for sin through him, we pay through sin for ourselves. Which means I'm going to spend eternity in hell apart from God if this is true. Maybe I might want to open up a book or two. What, make us not, what makes us not do that? You're not just nicer. You, you just didn't get it. It's the pride of man. Our hearts get so hard. In both cases, no one said, when he's talking about John's baptism or even now, no one said, what's true? What's true? It reminds me of John 19. It says in verse uh, 19, um, I'm sorry, chapter 3. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. You see that? That's how we are, man, all of us. I've seen really godly people do things, and I'm going, wow, your heart is that hard now. Well, you, you, you'll, just, you'll just make up stuff. Your heart's that hard. Well, you'll just, we'll just sin and not even care. We do that even in our, our marriage relationships. You're bad, your heart's so hard. Well, you want to be right so bad. Right? And you start, you start convoluting reality. You start, you start taking reality and skewing it just to win an argument. Right? And, you, and you're a pastor and an elder. and a, What's the point there? Man, it doesn't matter. Man, you know what this does? It makes us want to cry out to Jesus and say, Lord, only by your grace am I a believer. And only by your grace do I remain faithful to say, Lord, would you always be able to teach a man, as I've said in our elder meeting, oh, dog, new tricks. That if you show me something and I've been believing it for 20 years and it's a lie, on the on 20th, year, 20th year and first day, would you give me the grace to say, I repent, Jesus, I'm sorry, if you reveal it to me. Or do we have those hearts? Do you have hearts of something that you've held dear, dear for 20 years, 13 years, 5 years? If God was to show you today you were believing a lie, would you just give it up? Would you just say, sorry, because those guys were right there. They were staunch Jews who had their whole focus on the law, who, who, who felt like, man, being, power, being the power brokers, we get a lot of stuff, we get hooked up. But man, if this is true, then all this is plastic, and I need to reform my life. You hear me, guys? They knew the truth, but they avoided the truth. And, and, and I love the fact that in the midst of this, as they turned a deaf ear, uh, fear didn't grip the disciples. Look what it says in verse 19. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right, I love this, uh, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. And their response is like, okay, you want me to stop talking, but I want to use a little play on words here. I love the fact he's like, they're like, you're the judges, you judge. <laughs> That's the whole, I love the play on words there. You, 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 since you guys are good judges, why don't you judge if I'm supposed to listen to you or listen to God? Uh-oh, uh-oh. Can you imagine? He probably got real mad now, right? They're like, there you go again. Those Jesus tricks. Right? Can you imagine? They're doing it again. That's something that, man, that's something that Jesus would say. Why you say that to me? Right? Because there's no way out, right? Okay, well, if I tell you not to listen to God, well, I can't do that because you're supposed to listen to God. But okay, but so I, I don't want you. I want you to do that. But okay, but you're saying that you're on the side of God and we're on the side of man. So you're indicting us of being fleshly 
So either we totally say that you're not on the side of God, but if we say that, then, then we got issues with the people. You, you see how is this, they, they couldn't win. It's Jesus tricks. Maybe that should be a, a new thing. Jesus tricks. And verse 20, I love this. And what I, what I put here is I, I just want to say this to our body. As we go through life and as we do life, guys, as a body, always remember, because I think some of us, and I think I fall on this all the time, as we do life as a covenant community, we really think sometimes that complete objectivity is us and the other people are jacked up. I think we go through life and we do two things. We look at the Bible and we always find ourselves as the hero, never the, never the villain, right? right? You're never the guy who actually did the junk. You're the guy who's the savior, right? I mean, that's what we do. We go to the Bible, um, we're always the hero, and we always really think, man, all y'all just got to kind of, you, you, you got wool over your eyes. I'm so glad the Lord allows me to see clearly. Right? And I want to propose to us that we're lying to ourselves in both arenas. I, as far as until Jesus comes back, you don't have complete objectivity. You're jacked up, you're skewed. Your mama made, you, made fun of you when you were in fourth grade. That jacked you up. Your friend in sixth grade told you something crazy in sixth grade. That jacked you up. Like, you all messed up. So am I. Right? That's the truth. All right? And so you come into your arguments. You come into your friendships. You come into your relationships with your jacked upness. Right? And so when we have discussions of disagreement, and when we are all doing life and trying to care for each other, can we just remember that you jacked up? And with the posture of humility, say, you know what? We, we, we all got these skewed glasses. And if I think if we do a lot of work saying, where am I skewed here first? And now let's try to all see clearly. Because I, I, I wonder if these, these, these scribes thought, man, I, I've been in a loss, man, since all my whole life, bruh. I, I got this. And I wonder, I'm, I'm pretty sure, this is hijacked, this is my thought here. I, I don't know, this is just how, just how evil we can get. Although it seems so clear to us about the scribes and what they were doing, I wonder if there are some scribes who really thought they were doing the truthful thing. As clear as it looks for us, and my point there is that's how messed up we get. That you can see a miracle, see dudes not doing nothing bad, See a bunch of scribes talking about how we don't know how to get out of this because everything is truthful and still end with a conclusion of saying, I don't know. And think in your heart, in your depths, your deepest piece of your heart, man, I did a godly thing there. Do you think that could be you? Do you think you can do that? You can totally destroy someone's life and think, man, I was so godly. That was deep. Be careful, guys. But he says, verse 20, For we cannot but speak of what we have heard, seen and heard, verse 21, and when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for, for what had happened. I love that. I love the fact that they are, I love the fact that, um, uh, that they are actually, the, 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 the disciples are actually choosing God. And I love that in this text uh, that the scribes and the leaders are choosing man. I love that's the end conclusion. Right? If you look at it, the basic, the reason why they did what they did is because they fear man. Right? Because if they had any real conviction, they wouldn't have cared. 
Say, these guys will be mad at us, but y'all disobeying God, handle this, right? They didn't, though. Let me continue on. It said, um, for the man on whom uh, this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Here's what I love about this passage. What I love about this passage is you had a bunch of men who didn't have a lot of learning, and here's what they did. They just told the truth. Thought he did. With integrity and passion and a sense of that we're immovable because God is immovable, they just told what happened. That's all they did. They testified. And guess what happened? Thousands of people came to Jesus. Right? They testified. It's not, there's no intricate theology here. Right? There's none of that. There's this, this dude is real. And people say, well, can I follow him? Yeah, sure. Yeah, you can. That's what they did. Do we, do we have that? Do we, do we think like that? I pray that would be our hearts. That's what they did. They had courage. Here, here is, I wonder what one of our issues when we think of seeing these guys draw a line in the sand is when I watch wimpy Jews now looking them in the eye, proclaiming just the clarity of the gospel, I think one of our persecution issues, which is different than what we talked about the persecuted church, is I, I see us uh, ego persecution. It's probably the biggest thing that we struggle with right now, I think, in, in, in local bodies all across America, and specifically our own local body. Do you know what I mean by that, ego persecution? Hmm. Uh, I think it's more dangerous uh, than bodily persecution, actually. Um, it's the kind that hits you basically in the areas of status, right? right? People perceive a certain thing, right? Or acceptance, people accepting you, uh, people massaging your pride or not, uh, fear of losing your reputation, right? Or losing your position in the community, right? This is, this is uh, a wonder uh, for a lot of us. We, 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 can, we move here, we're excited, we were on mission, but man, uh, are we, as we talked about last week, are we clearly expression, expressing the gospel unabridged? Are we, are, we, are we going there with people? Right? And I just want you to ask yourself, why or why not? Right? As we're trusting the Lord to double our mat groups, to see people come to Christianity, to see people become Christians, to, to, to see our community begin to, to flow in and say, man, I, I, the Holy Spirit is doing something in me by his grace. For us to, to testify what God has done in us, right, and let the world know, and to see God use that, to see them become Christians, I think, I wonder, one of the issues is ego persecution, where we're a little nervous. But also, I want to encourage us, ask, ask the Lord this, and I don't know... But ask the Lord, has your testimony gotten kind of dusty? I don't know. Have you, put your, have, you, have you not put yourself in situations where actually you haven't seen God move? And so, and so as it were, in your mind, you don't even feel like you have a story to tell. But I want to encourage you, he is moving. He's doing stuff all throughout this community. He's doing stuff in your lives. And I want to propose to you, I think those are tricks of Satan. To get us, to get us in a sense of what they call analysis paralysis, not moving. Because we keep analyzing ourselves so much. So here, here are some verses to, uh, to encourage us on the reality of, of persecution. Verse, uh, 1 Peter 2, 
Uh, Verse 12 says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The reality is, God, is like people are going to, I love my mom would always say, people talked about Jesus Christ, they're going to talk about you. You know, and that was coming from a person who didn't even believe in Jesus. Uh, verse 13 of chapter 4 of 1 Peter says, But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. That this is concept that we talked about in, in Colossians that we see right here. There's a sense of God is saying rejoice when you find yourself basically retelling God's story of his suffering on the hill of Golgotha, right? Because people are, are crucifying you, as it were. So don't get sad. Rejoice. Because you're telling, that means you're telling the accurate story, maybe. Right? Look what it says in the in the scriptures here, uh, Mark thirteen thirteen, and you will be hated for all uh, by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Isn't that an exciting memory verse? You will be hated, right? This is guarantees, man. I mean, that doesn't make it easy to come to Christ. Second Corinthians one five says, "For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too." So. I just want to encourage us, uh, and there's one more, um, in, uh, in Philippians 3, verse 10, and there's a ton more. I just gave you guys a little snapshot, and what I'm saying is this, is what we get to see in this passage here, is we get to see two guys who are spiritual wimps, uh, many days before, and all of a sudden they're standing with the same education, uh, with the same information, and yet there is a, a power uh, that's happening in them that is unlike natural man, um, that makes these guys say, why are they, so what's going on here? And the point was they had been with Christ. And so my prayer is for you and me to not just learn more stuff, but for us to experience Jesus, for us to encounter Christ, for us to ask the Lord to give us the grace to not be fellowshipping with sin, to not put ourselves in environments where we can't experience the beautiful grace of Christ, but to put ourselves in environments where we get to experience the overflow of the Holy Spirit in our life. And then out of that comes a, a robust ministry. It's really, it's really that complicated and that simple at the same time. Right? And so I'm praying. I'm praying for us. Next steps. I'm in your mat groups, in your discipleship times, guys. I want you to ask... What, hey, we're gonna, the summer's starting. We've got spring going right now. We as a body, we live outside our houses. What are you doing this summer? What are we going to do uh, to be neighboring, to put yourself out there, to be proclaiming the gospel? Be thinking about that while you're in your discipleship relationships. Be thinking about that while you're going to your um, midweek uh, small groups and mad groups, okay? What are we going to do to be outside our house? Well, how are we trusting the Lord to, to, to retell his story like an apostles of old, right? For those of you who are, who, who are new, we're so glad you're our visitors. We want to ask you to lock arms with us. We want to ask you to, man, join discipleship. Join a small group. Hear what we're doing. Hear why we're doing it. And hopefully you'll see that the reason why they're doing everything with all their brokenness and jacked upness, they're doing it because they love Jesus and they want to express him clearly. And that you will lock arms with us and continue to be a proclaimer of the gospel in this, in this community. That's our heart. That's why we're here. We want to make much of Christ. We want to just encourage you. They don't do this. If you're, if you're new, if you're a Mac average, remind you, they don't do this because of their own strength. They realize that, man, they, they should have been destroyed. They are sinners. Christ was gracious. God sent his son to die for them. And then as he rose from the dead to validate he's God, 
They realize, oh, so wait a minute. He sacrificed his life for me, so now I can take his sacrificed life and offer that back up to the Father. And that by doing so, man, Jesus, he, he actually is paying for my sin. Praise the Lord. And now I can repent. I can, I can agree with God that I messed up, that he's king and I'm not. I can repent of my sin. I can ask for his forgiveness. And he gives it to me freely. And then the scriptures say that he, put, he places his Holy Spirit in me. And now I'm indwelt with the Spirit. Now I get to, to be alive in Christ. And that now the work he's begun, he begins to perfect all the way to the day when Jesus comes back. And in that meantime, what we're doing is we just get to tell the world of his goodness. And we get to model what does it mean to be God's people in God's world until he returns. And we do that with a missional posture by telling the world who Christ is. We want more people to experience what we're experiencing. But that doesn't happen because of our work. But we want to be very clear. And every person in this room who loves Jesus understands this. And we want those of you who don't, for some reason, don't get this. It happened because of God's grace. His unmerited favor. Basically, we undeserved. We, we, we didn't deserve it. But he gave himself to us. And so if you believe in Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. The Bible says... The Lord saves you. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, uh, he saved you from sin, from death, from Satan, from evil. So anyone who in this room uh, is getting saved right now is believing Christ as King, we want to ask you uh, to allow what we're about to do right now, tithe and offering and also communion, to be some of the first aspects of worship for your new king.